Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefine, the NC Realtors podcast. On this episode of Redefine, NC Realtors Diversity Committee co-chairs Carrie Epps-Rashad and Amy Kemp talk to Greensboro Regional Realtor Association President-elect Sophia Chris about how issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion have impacted her real estate journey. And from our Mobile Monday series on Facebook, fair housing expert Jenny Phil explores four tough buyer questions that you should never answer. But first... Do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. And I'm Amy Kemp. And Amy and myself are the co-chairs to the diversity committee of NC Realtors. And today we have Sophia Chris with us. Sophia is the Carolina Dreams Realty in Greensboro. She's the president-elect of the Greensboro Regional Realtors Association and the executive director of Housing Consultants Group. Thanks, Sophia, for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the invite. So we want to jump into our questions really quick, Sophia. Um, and the first one, again, is going to be geared towards real estate. And we want to know why real estate and how did you get into the industry? So my real estate story is very interesting. I actually um, am a registered nurse. So my major was nursing um, at UNC Chapel Hill. And my mother, um, both my parents retired at 55. And my mother always had a love for real estate. And my real estate story begins with a house that my parents purchased um, in St. Albans, Queens in the early 60s. And then they moved to Long Island, New York, um, about 1967. And so they kept the house in St. Albans and made it a duplex and made a rental out of it. And that piece of rental property um, earned them enough money to put myself and my three brothers through college debt free. So I always knew the value of real estate other than not just where you live. And, you know, I'm big on generational wealth. And that right there was the start of, you know, what could be generational wealth because we've always had homes in the family. And that's what kind of got me interested because I knew the value of what real estate could do. That's an awesome story, Sophia. I think I've heard a little bit of it before and it still gives me chills just to hear how they created that generational wealth for their children in their time when there was not a lot of people who were able to do that of our color. So I really appreciate that and value that story. Well, thank you. Thank you. The other thing is too, um, a lot of first happened, you know, they weren't the first homeowners because their parents owned a home. But think about in 10th grade, the, the social studies, you learned about this mass mass exodus of uh, minorities from, from the South to work up North and then come back to the South. And that's what they, that's exactly what they did. They were able to make a decent living up North, but realized that they couldn't stay there um, and pay the taxes and all that stuff. So they just came back here to North Carolina and just have lived well and had a good, my mother had a very successful real estate career outside of her regular career. So what was the industry like when you became a realtor? I'm sure you have some stories that your mother probably shared with you, but when you came up in the industry, what are some stories that you have and what was the industry like? Well, the industry was was great. Um, I got started in 1993 
um, based on my age. Um, my sphere of influence was first-time homebuyers because I'm most connected with them. You know, I tried to look older, put my glasses on and everything. It didn't work. So most of the time I work with people, first-time homebuyers. And that's why I developed a passion for educating people about that first home buying experience and what it should be. And I kind of stuck in that market. I still um, work primarily, if I'm going to do any real estate, is I'm going to work in, with first-time homebuyers. I think they're, they're easy to educate and they're so appreciative of the knowledge that you share with them about the process. So um, what obstacles do you ha have you overcome in your career and how have they made you stronger? Well, you know, the biggest obstacle I had to overcome was when I decided to, um, to start my nonprofit housing consultants group. You know, I knew I could educate more people than I could ever sell homes to. And fast forward 18 years, that's exactly what, what we've done at housing consultants group. It was a little bit of a challenge. I think that people um, at that time, couldn't figure out why I'd want to not sell real estate and want to teach about it. And I just, I just like to teach and I like to educate people and make them stronger and more empowered people. So my passion is empowering people with knowledge about the homeownership process, but it was challenging. I think that answered kind of the next question that we had, which was what do you love most about what you do? And you can answer that in the real estate realm or with your housing consultant group. I know you're so passionate about that work. Well, I think a little bit of both. Um, once again, because I love first-time homebuyers, I like that that education, that connection you have with somebody who really is starting from scratch. So it's almost like walking them through the process, you know, and all the players that are part of the process of buying a home. A lot of the people leave my classes feeling so much better, so much more knowledgeable, because they know it's not just not just your lender, not just your realtor. It's all the people that have the hands in, in the pot of home ownership, and every one of them has to be working together. But you as a buyer, potential buyer, knowing who, who is in this process and what they need to be doing, I think the process goes smoother for them. And I find realtors often say to me, the buyers were, were easier to work with because they had a little bit of education about the process. You know, they, they knew what a contract looked like. They knew what the role of the closing attorney was. They knew what the role of the inspector was and things like that. And, and also what the lender does and what the realtor does and what they can help you with, but what you need to be doing as well. And I know you said your parents were pretty inspirational in your kind of career path and just the way you thought about real estate. Is there anybody else along the way who's really inspired you? Well, a lot of my parents' friends, to be honest with you, because they all are, you know, a lot of them were minorities who came from the South, very humble beginnings, and were able to establish a level of comfort by purchasing a home and then selling it and buying another one. So I'm most proud of the people who are now, you know, 80, 90 years old, who I'm friends with, who you know, bought a house and they've been able to have a very comfortable life. Yeah. And it sounds like you're doing the same for others, which is awesome. I'm trying to. <laughs> so our next question, we're going to move into diversity. So what is your definition of diversity and how do you encourage people to practice this in your industry, Sophia? I encourage people to step outside of their comfort zone, mm -hmm. you know, and, and talk to people that don't always look like you and think like you. Diversity is not just what you look like, it's how you think sometimes as well. And I think that the worst thing you can do is be in a circle of people and all of you think alike. Right. Or all of you do the same thing or all you live in the same area, live the same type of life. And I think that um, one of the things that I have really instilled in my children is that, you know, some people have more, some people have less. Different people do different things, but you always want to make sure that you're an open-minded, well-rounded person and expose yourself to all types of people. Absolutely. 
So what does diversity and inclusion mean to you and why is it so important to you in the real estate? So I, diversity and, and inclusion tie, run so closely with fair housing as it comes, you know, relates to real estate. And I think everybody should be able to live where they want to live. I think that if you work hard and you want to own a home, that you should be able to own a home where you can afford and it should be open to you and, you know, realtors should be open to different, different ideas, different people, different cultures, and not let it impact the way that they do their job as a realtor. Everybody should be treated equal. And I think that um, a lot of the things we see in society now don't always speak to things being equal. I mean, look at what's going on with, um, with down payment assistance and the fact that there are agents that discourage their sellers from working with people who are getting down payment assistance. So no, that's not racism, that's classism. What that means is this person is qualified. They just need a little bit of help, but yet we're not going to sell their house to them because that makes the process longer, which is not true. But still, we need to be mindful that diversity, equity, and inclusion is not just about what people look like. It's different cultures and different classes as well. So it's really important to me, really important to me. I think that the fact that you um, are a hardworking person and may just need a little bit of help to get in your home should not discourage people from wanting to work with you. I think that goes back to just educating our members and realtors and, you know, real estate agents in general and the public as well, both sides of both sides of the transaction to be educated on what's what programs are available, how you can work with diverse clients. Is there anything that you, um, you know, ran into along the way, whether it was classes or trainings or anything that kind of helped you maintain that mentality that you would pass on to to other agents? I think it goes down to exposure too. I think that, you know, classes about diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, fair haven and things like that. Um, even what happened in Long Island should be eye openers for all of us, that it could happen anywhere. And the fact that sometimes you can be discriminating against somebody and you don't even know it. Right. And, or, and or you could be discriminated against and not even know it. It's sometimes it's not just what you say, it's what you don't say that makes an impression. So I think we need to all be mindful of that. But yeah, there are, the, the stuff that, um, that NC Realtors and NAR has out is good, but I think, I think it's the way you practice your life, the way you look at people that makes you open to people of other, other cultures. Right. It has to be genuine, not just, it's just not someone saying you have to be trained. It should be a general, yes. general process and genuine process. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to be trained to care about people and respect people's differences and engage with everybody the same. I think that's part of your, your culture. I think one of the things my parents did best for me growing up is exposed us to all kinds of cultures. You know, when we grew up, um, I lived in a neighborhood where we were the first Black family in the neighborhood when we moved to Long Island. Um, I graduated from high school. I was only one of six Black people in the whole 383 class. So my parents very intentionally exposed us to all kinds of people not only our culture, but other cultures as well. Yeah, definitely makes a difference. And going back to the housing consultants group, Sophia, what, um, how do people know about this and how can we get the word out to people? How can they take advantage of these programs that you offer? Well, the great thing about housing consultants group and Carrie, you think back to 2018 when that tornado touched down and, and, you know, Realtors, state level, locally, state level, and nationally came in, in great droves to support the efforts that we had going on um, in Greensboro to help people who were affected by the tornado. So that happened in 2018. And what's so alarming about that was that so many people were paying a lot of money in rent and living in very much substandard housing. So in 2019, um, when we um, partnered with the city of Greensboro and we launched hashtag 100 homes, that turned into a tsunami 
So the great thing is a lot of people know about us now because of the work that we're doing with helping people on their path to home ownership. The great thing about Housing Consultants Group and the way we approach this is it's a very comprehensive approach. We recognize everybody is not ready right now, but if you're willing to do the work and be accountable, we can help you get on that path to home ownership. So we have a whole series of classes that I think have pretty much spread around the community. We have waiting lists to get in our classes. We've got classes that are booked up um, easily two months out and we do all kinds of classes and every one of them has a list of people ready to get in to the next cohort. So the word of mouth has been great. Um, I think the fact that um, my involvement locally with GRRA and state level has made HCG attractive and, and made you know, maybe kind of well-known in terms of the affordable housing and the work that I do. Um, I don't do it for the glory of it, but I really like to um, share what I know about affordable housing and what it does and what it, and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Affordable housing should not be always associated with low income type things. Affordable housing is housing that's affordable for everybody to be able to work hard and own a home, sometimes with assistance and sometimes without. But you speak on the work that you do and that you recognize that you do without, you know, within the community with GRRA. How would you like to be remembered, Sophia? Um, I'd like to be remembered as the person that felt like everybody should own a home if they want to. And we would do anything I could to help you become a homeowner. Because once again, it is the key to having any level of of wealth at the end of life and having a legacy to pass on. The legacy is what you leave. And the legacy is what people are able to do with it in the next generation. So I want to be that person that, you know, so much was passionate about affordable housing that when you wanted to know how to own a home and what to do to own a home, you would come see me. So we're going to turn it over to the fun part of our conversation today. Just ask a few personal questions. Okay. And yeah. And we're going to start off with um, what part of the day are you most productive, Sophia? Oh, in the morning. In the morning. I'm a morning person. You get no great thoughts out of me after four or five o'clock. Absolutely. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And thinking back to your young self, what advice would you give your young self? Oh, lighten up. <laughs> lighten up a little bit. <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. I think that um, I think that growing up in New York and growing up, I was the only girl out of four children. Um, and always wanted people to like me. And I, I recognize now everybody's not going to like you because everybody doesn't align with you. And that's okay. Right. I think my older self is okay with, with people who I'm not just not going to connect with. And I keep my circle of people that I do connect with kind of small. And I think that works for me. I'm friends with everybody, but you know, close connection is a smaller group and I'm okay with that. Okay. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Oh, Bermuda. <laughs> I went to Bermuda uh, in 2019 and it's the most peaceful place. The speed limit is like 45 miles an hour. Gas is super high. <laughs> Makes this gas over here look cheap. But it's the most quiet, serene place. The police officers don't carry guns. Yeah, it's that kind of quiet. Now they have, I'm sure they have some element of crime there, but I'm just saying it's just a peaceful place. Right. Water, water everywhere. Food is really good. I just loved it. It's just peaceful. That's where I live. Okay, so when you first meet someone, Sophia, what is the first thing you notice about them? If they smile, yep. If they smile, more than shake my hand, if they smile. I think it makes a big difference. And this is going to be a fun one, last one. <laughs> okay. What was the nickname your parents or someone in your family used to call you when you were younger? Oh, Sophie. Yeah, actually, my grandmother's name is Sophie, so I was named after her. 
but it was Sophie, a lot of older, and even now, a lot of my older church members, I, I mean, they know my name is Sophia, but they just call me Sophie. Now, when I was in trouble, they would be Sophia Lynn. So it depends on who was saying it. But Right. So thank you, Sophia. Sophie, because you're my <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time today to sit and have a conversation with Amy and myself. And we appreciate you and everything that you're doing within our association and our community. Thank, thank you, so you too. Thank you. My name is Jenny Field, and I'm here to spend a little bit of time with you talking about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and that's issues of fair housing. And I've been in real estate 36 years. I started in Connecticut. I currently practice in California, and um, I manage most of my career. So these issues are things that I've dealt with my entire career in terms of what questions should you never answer as a real estate professional. So the title, as we know, is four questions, four buyer questions you should never answer and why you should never answer them. And I think that as a, as a, a, a managing broker for so many years, um, what I found to be the case with real estate folks is that we tend to want to be helpful and we think we're being helpful by answering too many questions. And in the process of answering too many questions, we actually end up in a situation of violating fair housing law. And, and that's a problem because we, we want to be helpful, but being overly helpful does not help us. So when, when I think about these questions, and I'm going to go through them each individually, I want us to pay attention to the why behind we should not do that. We should not answer that. Some of the things we have to realize are very, very subjective to the buyer. They have zero to do with us, they have zero to do with, we're not going to live there. We're not going to mow the lawn. We're not going to pull the weeds. We're not going to pay the mortgages or the utilities. So the issues you have to understand in each of these questions are these issues are subjective to our buyer. And I just want to reiterate what a fair, federal fair housing act prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, gender, national origin, familial status, disability, and handicap. Well, why am I speaking to them? Because each one of these questions can open a door we don't want to walk through. Each one of these questions can create a situation where uh, we will inadvertently violate the law and because we don't really know what the true purpose or reason why this buyer is asking the question. So let me start with the first question. First question is, is this a good place to raise a family? Well, understand that uh, you could be put in a situation where that buyer may not want to live in an area where there's lots of children playing in the street, may not want to have kids everywhere. Uh, and, and if you answer that question to a, what you decide is a family-friendly neighborhood, that's called steering. In other words, if you decide, well, I like this neighborhood, I would raise my kids there, so let's go there, you have just been involved in a violation of federal fair housing law, which is steering. You don't ever choose where someone goes based on your personal opinions or your judgment on what you think they may want. I'll give you an example. And when I was looking at some things recently, getting ready for today, I looked at a, a, a situation where a landlord lost a federal lawsuit because the landlord decided not to rent to a single mom with a, with a little child because 
the landlord decided in his opinion that that area was not safe for that family, for that mother and child. That's a violation of federal law. You don't get to pick where someone else lives. So you can't answer that question. It could be they want a place with lots of kids. It could be that they don't want a lot of kids. So what do you do? How do you resolve that? And I do this myself. I'm still a practicing real estate professional. I still sell houses. I'm in the midst of negotiation on an offer right now. What you do is you do what I've always done. Get in the car, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, and drive around. Look where parks may be. Decide if this is a place that fits your needs, that fits your family, that fits what you want to do. And then when you've decided that, we'll look at houses wherever you decide it's supposed to be better for you. Not me. I can't tell you that, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer. And here's what Mr. and Mrs. Buyer says. <clears throat> well, why can't you? I, here's what I say every single time. Not my house, not my mortgage. Or violation of federal law. I cannot guide you to what you perceive to be preferential in your future home. You have to do your own investigation. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. Question number two, what is this neighborhood like? Well, what the heck does that mean? Is this a good neighborhood? What does that mean? This is a very, very subjective question. I can't decide what someone else thinks a neighborhood is like. I can't make that decision for someone in terms of where do they want to be. The buyer has to make their own decision. It is a question. Here's the issue. The question could absolutely have racial undertone. It could mean, well, I don't want to live in a neighborhood with a lot of Martians. Let's pretend Martians are a protected class. I prefer talking that way. So I don't want to live in a neighborhood with other Martians. I can't decide that for you. This goes back to the same thing. They may not want an integrated neighborhood, or they may only want an integrated neighborhood. You walking with me? It could be, I really want to live in a fully integrated where massive different cultures are all through this place that I want to live in my new home. That's great. Or I don't want to live in any other culture. I want to be by myself. I want to, you know, you can't. Either one of those things are violations if you get involved. They have to do their own research. This goes back to the last question. Drive around the neighborhood. See what's around those neighborhoods. All through different times of the day. Get comfortable. Sit near a traffic light and hang out and watch. Do what you need to do, buyer so that you get comfortable whether or not that neighborhood suits you. Number three, is this a safe area? This is a great one. Is this a, what does safe mean? And here's the problem with, is this a safe area? And I'm gonna come back to circle around to all of these when we get closer to our time uh, being finished. You cannot have an opinion of what safe is or safe is not. What's safe to one person may not be safe to someone else. I know for me, I'm originally from New York, and one of the things that I loved watching as was communities changing. Uh, there was an area in Brooklyn that I lived very close to, which had at one point been a tremendously poor community. And now it's very, very much a wonderfully blended, fully integrated, all kinds of cultures neighborhood. It changed because somebody didn't judge a neighborhood by what their perceptions of safe was. So all of the statistics, crime statistics, all of that stuff is available online. You should not do that for them. Let me say that again very clearly. Remember the manager moment, risk management thing. You never look up statistics for your client. It is not your house. They're going to live there, not you. 
And so tell them that all the data is available online. All the data is available on the web. All these questions, there's availability on the web. And we're going to come back to that in just a second. But it is a subjective question. What does it mean? What does safe mean? Uh, and you have to realize that the, the question of safety may indeed have, again, racial undertone. Uh, that person might decide if it's filled with Martians, that's bad stuff happens, which probably isn't true, but it's got nothing to do with you as the real estate agent. Number four, how are the schools? There are schools and there are teachers there and there are students in the seats. That's pretty much about all you can say. How are the schools? Once again, you cannot offer this information. I can share with you that one of the great joys of my life growing up was I was in a very broad-based, very cultural community of, in, in school growing up. I loved every fraction of that. But some people don't want that. There are folks that all they care about, you know, points. You know, what is greatschools.org or rating? What are the ratings for those schools? What does that mean? You know, I can share with you that I was very lucky in all my career raising my children that I was able to be home to support them. So sometimes school ratings aren't accurate. It has zero to do with the culture within the school. It could be that the person cares about school ratings and another person might only care about sports programs. Either one of those are not your question to answer. You can, again, send them to the web. Take them to the places. Don't. So let me speak to that one second. I recently was reading some new things, and I think because of the hypersensitivity of what's going on in our world today in the United States of America, we have far more concern about overstepping when it comes to uh, issues of fair housing and discrimination and inequality, et cetera. And I, I historically would, would have, going back in the day, I would have maybe a list of locations, but back in my day, it might've been where every single house of worship might be. Now we have walk scores. What does that mean? That means they can find it themselves. Now, what I read very recently was someone said, don't even provide the links. Let them look it up. Everything is available. You can Google, what do we do before Google? You can Google anything and find that data. You cannot decide what someone wants. You can help them find that house that sounds that like their description. I want four bedrooms. I want three bathrooms. I want a big yard. I want all of those things. You can do that, but you don't pick the neighborhoods. They need to do their own research. Remember, your goal in selling a home today and forever is to help put to your matchmaker, help put together that buyer with the right house that they can live happily ever after in for as long as they live or as long as they choose to stay. So. Each of these questions could get you in profound trouble. You, and the thing I have to speak to when I talk about these questions is very simple thing. It, testers, what, what, are, what are testers? The, the Department of Federal uh, HUD is doing more and more testing. What does testing mean? HUD has got people going out and pretending to be buyers and or sellers and, and having agents come. And, and, and in, we had a huge issue in New York. Testers are there to find out if all people are treated equally and fairly. If you answer questions that are outside of your purview as a real estate professional, you answer questions that could be even fragmentally considered to be discriminatory, you have just violated federal fair housing law because it's the underlying current. It doesn't say I only want to live in an area where there's Martians or I don't want to live in an area where there's Martians. You don't know what the true reason behind it is. 
And so when you walk down this path, you're opening yourself up to opportunity to get in a whole boatload of trouble. Realize that um, the job, that what you say is it, is, it is not my job to choose these things. It's not my job to do this investigation, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, it's, or Ms. Buyer, or Mr. Buyer, or whoever. Not my job to decide for you. You have to make a decision as to where you want to live. You need to do your own investigation online. You need to do all the in inspections, et cetera, drive the neighborhoods, get comfortable all times of the day, be comfortable with wherever you're going to be, and then tell me where you want to be. Now, when I was in Connecticut, I dealt with this quite a bit because we had this wonderful, diverse cultural community in, in Fairfield, Connecticut, where I lived. We had all kinds of different communities, and, and it was wonderful, except I only want to live in this neighborhood. I only want to live in that neighborhood because that's where everybody else I know lives. And you cannot speak to those issues. You cannot answer those questions. You cannot. You are just saying, put your arms out, arrest me, or I want to lose my license or be suspended because I violated fair housing. I think we're right more than ever before for more fair housing complaints being offered. And so one of the things I, I must speak to um, and I'm very excited about this because I'm very proud of the fact that I got to participate in this. Your, your NC Realtors has done a brilliant job of creating an amazing opportunity called the Fair Housing Academy. And it is a series of videos along with a workbook and some questions and all of these things that, to help you, the individual realtor and the leadership, prevent, be prevented from getting in trouble because they're overstepping, answering questions like we just discussed or just doing things that are outside of your purview. And, and you must be cautious. So NC Realtors put together the Fair Housing Academy. I'm very excited to have been a part of it. Uh, I'm excited to see it finally launching. Uh, the program was created for the brokers in charge to, to provide that data and, and provide this education to their realtor population. Within that, they have questions and Q&A, and it's gonna help the brokers understand better what should I do a better job with, with respect to training. I've, I've talked to so many people about this type of subject. And one of the things that I know is that the brokers have a responsibility to make sure their agent population is doing everything right, because it's the trickle up theory. If the agent in your office, an agent in your office is just casually thinking it's, it's okay to say a thing, it's not okay that, to say that thing. That creates a problem for the broker. And so that's why NC Realtors created this program. It's exciting that it's finally launching. I'm very, very honored and very proud to have been a part of it as the host. There are some people being interviewed in this series that are mind-blowing in terms of their abilities, their talents, their experience base, learning the history, <clears throat> understanding the challenges. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. I really do think it should be a benchmark for the rest of the country. So it's, again, geared toward brokers in charge. I consider it to be a gift to the brokers in charge to help them do a better job of understanding how to teach their agents how to stay within the proper guidelines when it comes to fair housing issues and comes to dis racial discrimination issues. And it's not just racial, it's handicapped, it's ageism, it's all of the families with children. It's all of those places that we as individual realtors, if we're not paying attention, if we don't focus on the right thing to do, could inadvertently absolutely fail. And, uh, and there's a lot of content that I, I look forward to having it be presented. And most importantly, just realize, be helpful. Your job is to find the house that they decide they want. 
Your job is to help them negotiate the price. Your job is to help them craft the right offer. And your job is to help them close. And all the other processes, your job is not to answer any questions that are even fragmentally in any way able to violate fair housing. And please remember, it is, you think it's innocent, it's often not innocent. And that's where you can get in a lot of trouble. And, and that's why I'm very excited to be able to participate here to, to kind of give you that overview. Remember, April is Fair Housing Month. Pay attention. Don't, don't get in trouble by thinking it's not important when indeed those things are profoundly important. Thank you very much for your time. And I hope to see you all again in North Carolina sometime very soon. For the rest of this presentation and to get exclusive NC Realtors content, join the NC Realtors Mobile Mondays group on Facebook. Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefined by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud.